For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to step inside the Octagon with your host, Ike Feldman. Yo, what's up? What's up, everybody? Your boy, Ike Feldman from the Iktagon. I-K-E-T-A-B-O-N. Iktagon everything. Iktagon.com. Instagram. Woo! Some stuff going on Instagram. I'm not cheating on your Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. I'm just doing a... I'm expanding my horizon. I'm expanding my horizon. I don't know why I'm doing the flappy wings, but... I'm expanding my horizons. Go to Instagram uh, live, Iktagon, I-K-E-T-A-G-O-N. I just did a little special video for the Graham fam, as I'm going to call them. On this day in 2009 is when I fought Forrest Griffin. No, on this day in 2009 is when I saw my favorite fighter. I I keep doing the Wakanda symbol. (laughs) I'm sorry, the Instagram people know what I'm talking about. But it, it hits home for me. Uh, a legend, Anderson Silva, was the co-main event for UFC 101. It was BJ Penn, Kenny Florian in Philadelphia. We all know what happened. BJ Penn choked the eyeballs out of Kenny Florian in the main event. But the co-main event is what really captured my attention for what's now been a 12-year journey, uh, a martial arts journey. Up to the hills of the Tibetan warriors, the journey has gone up and down, up and down, but hopefully it's always up. In 2009, I saw Anderson Silva, and you guys could go, um, my bio on Iktagon.com, I I literally have a link, scroll all the way down, scroll all the way down on Iktagon.com. I have uh, put this in my brief background describing why this fight inspired me. I saw one of the greatest fighters of all time. He would be the greatest fighter of all time for me if he didn't have the steroid and PED allegations hanging over his career and a a couple of questionable fights, but he's still top five, top 10 greatest of all time. We will get into the debate more and more as the mixed martial arts history unroll uh, roll out. Obviously, Anderson Silva and John Jones have a lot of steroid allegations surrounding them, but that's neither here nor there. What is here is the 12th anniversary of UFC 101, and on that day, I saw a, an illegal stream where Anderson Silva did a Matrix-like knockout, did a beautiful dipping and dodging and ducking and dodging to... Uh, avoid whatever offense Forrest Griffin was trying to produce and it was beautiful multiple time knockdown if you go to the UFC page and I I stole their content but I gave them credit how apropos is that I I stole their content in 2009 and uh, I stole their content again but uh, this time I'm giving credit this time I have a camera and a, uh, a very cheap light shoved in front of me, which you guys can probably see in my glasses refre- <laughs> reflecting at times. But on this day, 12 years ago, Anderson Silva just captivated me. Wakanda. And just beautiful knockout. Forrest Griffin tried to throw punches. Uh, Anderson slipped one side, slipped another side, pop, popped him in the chin. And... Just one of the greatest knockouts of all time, in my opinion. And I try to express that and lay it out for you in my bio, but I hope I'm doing a better job with my words and with my gestures to uh, express how much that knockout meant to me. And I literally signed up for my first martial arts class a few weeks later. Well, that night, going back to the uh, 
the UFC 101 after, I don't know, just pumped up, uh, excited to watch the, uh, see the fights. Uh, the house that I was at, it was somebody I was doing construction with. He had the, the watch party and uh, we went on the front lawn and we didn't know what the hell we were doing. We ended up just getting bunch of mosquito bites and itched all over because we started wrestling on the grass like idiots but fortunately for everybody nobody got arrested and i signed up to make it a clean grappling exchange when i signed up to maxim bjj which is still around they are pumping out classes every day beautiful content online they are sensei by alex aristides and formerly Joe Monahan, those are the guys who kind of set me on my journey and set me straight in many ways and were there in my corner for many events. And I'm very appreciative uh, for Max and BJJ. Go to their website if you guys are local on Strong Island and you're looking for some MMA action in Suffolk. In Suffolk. Nassau, they're, they're holding it down. They got Belmore Kickboxing, Law MMA, Long Island MMA, and Farmingdale, the border of uh, Suffolk and Nassau. But Max and BJJ is holding it down for all of Suffolk, all those Billy Joel, Hampton going, bougie itches that are uh, in Suffolk. Come on down to Max and BJJ. Always love and uh, appreciate the the energy that there uh, that's there, and it's uh, a phenomenal energy. I can't stress enough how much fun uh, I had there, and uh, I will swing by there. I promise you guys. I promise I will swing by there, but. Ironically enough, I bring up the UFC 101 watch party. Your boy just did a watch party this past Saturday for UFC 265. I don't know. I got like the most, like fourth most views on the Iktagon ever doing this watch party. I don't know if people thought it was going to be an illegal stream. Why would I do that to the UFC? Why would I uh, show their fights? No, it was your boy just laying on a couch. My version of a watch party, my version. Not as hyped as this, not as energized as this on a Monday afternoon in New York, Strong Island, but laid back, literally laid back. Go to the YouTube page, find the link. It's I'm laying down. I eat ice cream at, at some point and about seven people tried to hop on looking for a live stream. I, jokingly, I told them, this is Dana White. You have been caught. Uh, I work for the UFC. I'm going to process your IP address and uh, you, you pretty much should uh, say your prayers. And if you want to not get arrested, give me a take for the fights tonight. So it was, uh, it was funny. I, I was laid back. I wasn't enjoying it, but it turns out it was the fourth most viewed video in the history. Holy moly. And the other videos are uh, interviews with world champion athletes. And then you just, the fourth most is just some guy snoring on a couch, dripping ice cream all over his face, chewing on the microphone, completely, completely unprofessional, completely unprofessional. And the, uh, the three videos that were more viewed than that video were interviewing former world champions. And then the, uh, the fourth most is some schmuck laying on a couch i'm looking at the couch right now there's stains all over not those stains you creeps but it's uh it's the best for viewing the uh the tv and uh man that was sloppy but was not sloppy what was not sloppy was <clears throat> ufc 265 headliner cyril gone the first french-born fighter to become a UFC champion. Now, you can say that there's some question marks and asterisks on this championship because Francis Ngannou needed more time and you respect them because that dude's been on a long journey. Go back and listen to the podcast with Joe Rogan and Francis Ngannou and you hear his 14-month endeavor, adventure, survival, of the fittest to get from Cameroon working in the sand mines to make it to France so he can explore and jump into his MMA dream of training with the best and becoming a champion. Crazy podcast. I believe like 90% of the podcast is talking about his journey to get to Paris, uh, which is the, I guess the creme de la creme 
of anybody in that region to kind of train and kind of just soak in life. Uh, makes sense. But 10% of that was previewing his fight with Stipe and talking about his other fights. And if you guys forgot, I think it was UFC 260. Francis Ngano knocked out Stipe Miocic in the rematch. Holy moly. Becomes the nicest big cuddly bear UFC champion of all time. Literally, Mike Tyson was talking about raping women, killing your kids, driving your car off a cliff, and all while smiling. And Francis Ngannou, who could probably annihilate, kill Mike Tyson. Again, if you guys disagree, give me a call. 646-820-9848. 646-820-9848. Or join on the Zoom call. If you want instructions, go to my Twitter, at Iktagon. But Mike Tyson, who is the savage of all time in combat sports, you could say Connor is maybe a top five attacking Khabib's religion, Dustin Poirier's wife. But Mike Tyson, the fight was over before it even started with Mike Tyson. And Francis Ngannou is 10 times more of a threat than Mike Tyson. And he's just the most polite guy ever. He is so kind. I talked to Francis Ngannou and I asked him, and the UFC PR person, no, 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 no way. Please do not punch Ike in the arm. I was like, Francis, can you give me a shot on camera? Can you just punch, lay one right into me? Little did I know this guy is the hardest puncher and the hardest striker in UFC history. So he probably would have broke through whatever bone this is. It's not the tibula or the fibula or the femur. I'm trying to remember what, what bone this is. It's a single bone. These bones are the double bones connected to your elbow and this bone from your elbow to your shoulder is a single. So he probably would have broke that and then gone through and broke my rib cage and probably bruised my heart. Uh, he probably would have done that with his pinky, but good thing the UFC PR shout outs to page was wiser than me and said, Oh no, 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 no. We're not doing this today. This is not happening on my watch. Uh, a little behind the scenes, uh, UFC PR people escort the fighters from one media obligation to another. And in New York City, there's obligation after obligation, lunch after lunch, interview after interview. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm a person who stands out. I, I, I don't I don't think anybody's asked to be punched before that. And since then, by Francis Ngannou, especially since He's become a, a UFC champion. He could scare people over Zoom. There is no doubt about that. But Francis Ngannou is the true UFC champion. And while I say there is an asterisk over the championship victory this past Saturday from Cyril Gan, who is a French-born fighter, Francis Ngannou is a France native. He, he, or he's a France journeyman. He's a France local Surogan is born and raised in the, the, the French system. He's part of the French Armada. That might be oxymoronish because I think Armada is for Spain, but whatever. Me no pay attention in history class. But Surogan got it done against the local boy, Houston owns. My balls is hot. Derek Lewis. Amazing performance. Amazing performance. Uh, literally moves like a middleweight, uh, a welterweight, Sorogan with kind of an in and out karate. But when he throws strikes, it's more of a traditional Dutch kickboxing or, or French kickboxing. Do not underestimate France. They have some of the best strikers, which can be seen in Street Fighter. And uh, they are not to be reckoned with, uh, though they are funny and nice and can come across as wussies and puss. Uh, uh, pushovers uh they're not to be reckoned with and mma just became legal in i think it was february of 2020 so about 18 months ago and they already have a champion look at that they knew something was coming they knew it was coming cool enough new york had two champions before ufc was legal in new york huh how about that matt sarah and chris wyman were both champions before the ufc became legal in new york so if you want it, you could get it. My point is if you really want to be a champion and you can see what's coming, you could see the chessboard, the how the moves are going to play out, like Cyril Gan and his 
lovely coach, Fernando Lopez, whom I've had the pleasure to speak to. You train, you prepare, and if you know what's coming, you, you execute and you become a UFC champion. So shout outs to Cyril Gon for getting the victory, but in my eyes, he is not the true champion. In his eyes, he's not the true champion. And how this is going to play out, Cyril Gon is being trained, as I said, by Fernando Lopez. Hmm. How did your boy Ike speak to him before? Because Fernando Lopez trained Francis Ngannou before. This is some modal combat, some John Wick storyline brewing Francis Ngannou after he lost UFC 220 in Boston the first time to Stipe Miocic. Your boy was there. And your boy interviewed Francis. Yeah, that was the second time I interviewed, actually. And uh, that that story just caught fire. We were featured in the UFC in Benna, but... Forgot about it. Francis Ngannou lost to Stipe Miocic, got outwitted, outpointed, outstrategized against Stipe. Beautiful strategy from Stipe, who incorporated his wonderful collegiate wrestling, some well-distanced boxing strikes, kind of collapsed Francis into his range, wore out Francis, got the victory, became the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time, and is still the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. Top three great MMA heavyweights of all time. But after that fight, Francis had a lot of questions, a lot of pressure on him mentally. And you saw that play out UFC 226 just the summer after UFC 220 against Derek Lewis. My balls is hot. And that fight went, as you would think, for somebody who's mentally pressured. He didn't pull the trigger. He looks slow. It's one of the most boring fights in history. And Derek Lewis is tied for the most strikeouts, uh, strikeouts, <laughs> most knockouts in UFC history. Francis Ngannou, the guy who hits the hardest in UFC history at the time, they said he hit as hard as a Prius traveling 50 miles an hour. Well, say what you want about Prius's Burt in L.A., that's you still don't want to get hit by a Prius in the middle of the street. So you had two heavy strikers and nobody pulled the trigger. It was one of those born fights in history. Maybe one day I'll, I'll do a breakdown of that fight. Awful, literally awful. And Francis Ngannou, he moved from France, Francois. I don't know if that's a word, but he moved from France. He is a departed to Las Vegas, and since then, he went on a tear. He had about four fights, and the total fight time was two minutes. So he was knocking out guys in 30 seconds. Nobody wanted to fight him. It was basically he needed to wait for the Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic trilogy to play out. Francis slides up into those DC and Stipe DMs, knocks out Stipe. Seemed like it was a long time coming. Is there with his new coach, Eric Nixon, getting his hand raised, watching the belt wrapped around him. He is now Africa's champion, the heavyweight champion of the world. Hopefully he can fight John Jones in Africa, but uh, that's a story for a different day. What is the crazy part of that is Fernando Lopez and Cyril Gan are watching on their 4K France TV uh Fuck, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm just throwing out words out there that sound friends. Uh, and Fernando Lopez, Francis Ngano's coach, former coach, and Cyril Gan, Francis Ngano's teammate, former teammate, are watching in France. And boy, you can assume that they're a little ticked off and they are stewing and motivated because one day they will face Francis Ngannou and they've trained together. They've sparred together. There's footage online of Cyril Gan, the new interim champion of the UFC versus the actual uh, UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Ngannou. And man, they throw down. It is fun to watch. It's heavyweight striking at its finest. So now Fernando Lopez, who trained Francis Ngannou, who's now training Cyril Gan, who just ins uh, inserted himself as the number one contender 
or the number two, you could say Stipe is still the number one. So 1A is Stipe, 1B is Cyril Gan. Man, you have some storylines playing out heavyweight. Heavyweight just became one of the, the most exciting divisions in the UFC. There was a lot of questioning during the uh, Stipe DC trilogy, man. Uh, after Francis, you have Curtis Blades. Derek Lewis doesn't seem like he's catching uh, any streaks. He seems like he's... Uh, up in the air in terms of getting his career on point. But over these last 18 months, the heavyweight division has really caught fire. And it's, it's exciting to see what's going to play out in the next 12 months because John Jones has just moved up, who is considered uh, one of the greatest fighters of all time. As I started this broadcast, he's now putting on 30 pounds of muscle and meat farm muscle, and he's trying to compete in the heavyweight division. And now you have a lot of matchmaking that needs to play out does John Jones step in to face Francis Ngannou? Uh, just he he beat the division over and over and over at light heavyweight. Does he become the number one guy to face Francis Ngannou, or does Stipe get that trilogy fight against Francis Ngannou? It's one and one apiece. Or do you have the former teammate, former training partner, former former sparring partner? Step in there in Cyril Gan, who just had an incredible performance against Derek Lewis. Does he step in there to face Francis Ngannou? So Francis Ngannou's biggest opponent, if you guys don't know this, is not John Jones, is not Cyril Gan, is not Stipe Miocic. It's Dana White and Hunter Campbell, Dana White's lawyer, Hunter Campbell, and WME and Ari Emanuel. Francis Ngannou, who's going to be in movies, who's been made, who's made appearances in movies and TV shows, is trying to get paid. He's saying, guys, I know what I'm worth. I'm the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, I'm calm and cool and humble, but my fists do the talking. And I can't preach enough why prize fighting pisses me off. Prize fighting, you can't only just be a humble, calm, cool warrior who gets the job done with your, uh, your fight night performances, you have to talk. And to me, that can just be annoying. And if anybody's followed Conor McGregor's career over the last uh, five years, three years, two years, you guys can see that when McGregor talks too much and he loses, it's not fun for anybody. It's fun when McGregor backs it up. Okay, that's cool. It's fun when he wins. What's the highlight of McGregor's last three years or four years? No, not losing to Floyd Mayweather. No, not losing to Khabib Nurmagomedov. No, not losing to Dustin Poirier. Can you guys uh, fill in the blank? The only time McGregor won was against Donald Cowboy Cerrone, UFC 246. And he was quiet. He was quiet. Go watch his interview with Errol Hawani. You know what he even said? He said, guys. I have not drank an ounce of my lovely, who knows if it's lovely, my lovely proper 12 whiskey for about three months in preparation for this fight. And you know what happened? He won. He was boring. He was sober and he won. So when he's drunk, loud and angry, he loses. Okay. When he's boring, sober and disciplined, he wins. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe we can uh, learn some lessons from this, ladies and gentlemen. But my point is Francis Ngannou, who I'm sure he gets to enjoy that heavyweight weight class because there's no weight cut. Maybe he has to cut down a little to make the 265 pound limit, but fairly more times than often he does not. So he can eat what he wants, drink what he wants, but he's humble and he's calm and he's cool. And he wins. The most important thing in prize fighting is winning the prize, winning the fight. I can't say this enough. ESPN and UFC, they are still doing a poor job at promoting the true martial artists, the Amanda Nunez's of the world, the Tyron Woodley's of the world, the Kamaru Usman's of the world. Who else is quiet? Alexander Volkanovsky uh, of the world. Who are they giving all the attention to? Yeah, it's uh, most of it is self-made in Israel Adesanya and say uh, Henry Cejudo, uh, but they should shine lights on the humble fighters, the Francis Ngannou's of the world, the Steve Wonderboy Thompson's of the world. I I'm dead serious. I think that's what martial arts is about, being disciplined, being humble, yet 
there's incentive to be an a-hole. And I almost cursed there, but it pisses me off. The incentive to be an a-hole. Look at the fight this past weekend. Derek Lewis, who is cool, calm, some of the best one-liners you will ever hear. No joke, no joke. In a press conference uh, the couple days before the fight, a French reporter asked, because the, uh, he's fighting a French fighter. I don't know if you guys are paying attention at this point. Surreal Ghan is from France, so there's French reporters in audience. When Khabib fights, there's Khabibian fight, uh, reporters there. And a French reporter is at this press conference. And he goes, Derek, uh, Louis, what do you do when Surreal Ghan beats you? <laughs> I might have added or changed a word or two. Don't quote me on that. That's not verbatim. But Derek Lewis says the, the best one-liner, the best one-liner. He goes, excuse my French, but you and Surreal. <laughs> and that was an amazing one-liner. And that's who he is, a calm, cool guy, a lovable guy. But yet we found Derek Lewis, who was a headliner in his hometown on a pay-per-view event, trying to achieve what he's been in search for for the last few years especially after losing badly to uh daniel cormier at ufc 230 in new york msg another marquee event he was trying to stir the pot and kind of be the a side uh a side the guy basically who brings in the money but everybody was overlooking his hands he's tied for the most ufc knockouts in history but what do we look for my balls is hot and his Instagram page, and those one-liners, which is not what martial arts is about. It's about performance. Yet, we saw Derek Lewis pushing Cyril Ghosn, trying to be a bully, trying to stir up the, the moment, trying to get in Cyril Ghosn's head, and it didn't work. Cyril Ghosn, who was literally singing Mariah Carey, I believe it was Mariah Carey, in the days leading up to the fight, and he's like, oh, uh, he's singing Mariah Carey, and it's an awkward moment where the camera's guy's like, Okay, and he's like, oh, no, you don't know? He goes, okay, I, I keep singing. He was so relaxed, so calm. 150% had less attention on him because being in Derek Lewis's hometown, I'm sure his media obligations were out the wazoo. No doubt about that. So Surreal Gone, who was in a road game, essentially, was the enemy on enemy territory. He was calm, cool, laid back, relaxed, was actually laughing at Derek Lewis's one-liners in the press conference. And you know who was the, the, the beast, who was the, the, the guy who was the alpha, not the lead-up, not with the interviews, not with the bullying, not with the Waynes, not with the press conferences. The guy who was alpha on fight night was Surreal Gunn, beautiful in-and-out footwork. You guys... Thigh leg kicks have been abandoned. Everybody's going for the calf kick. Surreal gone. Go back and watch that fight. I don't think he landed one calf kick. He did a kind of, uh, I think it's called, what is it? The, uh, the oblique kick, the kind of leaping in karate kick that stabs at the opponent's knee. You guys can see Darren Till do it. John Jones does it. Holly Holm does it at nauseum. It's, it's a kind of cheap kick, as my wife, who's a Shotokan black belt, will say. But it's a kick that works and it's effective and slows down your opponent's forward movement. So he didn't do any of those. Uh, excuse me. He didn't do uh, the calf kick. He did the, the oblique kick, slowed down Derek Lewis, got him thinking about his knee. Derek Lewis is going in there like a marauding machine, ready to knock out Cyril Gaon with that right hand. As soon as his knees attacked, you can kind of see the, uh, the, bl the blood just leave his system and it, and it looks like he's going faint like oh man that 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 knee doesn't feel good and then sir Cyril gone set up the the oblique kick the kind of the stabbing knee kick with deep 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 cutting uh thigh kicks uh just deep kicks he landed about five to seven of them and that's when the fight completely changed Derek lewis was in quicksand then he leaped in with his striking Derek Lewis kind of folded up. Oh, man, my balls, they're still hot. Surreal gone, started laying in heavy strikes, finished the fight, interim champion, storylines play out. UFC are not happy. <laughs>
They're not. How can they be happy? The guy who talks, who was the A-side in this fight, who, if he won by knockout, would be the greatest knockout artist in UFC history and one of the, the smartest, wittiest UFC fighters to ever compete in the cage in Derek Lewis would be champion. You could do the rematch. Uh, Francis Ngannou's last loss, as I said, the most boring, the most boring UFC fight this side of the Mississippi in the last decade, no doubt. Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou. Ugh. That, yeah, that would have been the rematch, but it would have been a lot more funner because Derek Lewis, he would have been having his hand raised and Francis Ngannou would have been trying to right the wrong. So that would have been a fun fight. It was the originally uh, original fight scheduled Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou, but Francis Ngannou wants to get paid. And the UFC, who is the one-stop shop for UFC fighters, they are the promoters, they are the managers, they are the lawyers, and they are the revenue. They say, you're going to get paid this much, and Francis Ngannou says, Chocolate bleu! Chocolate bleu! He says... Why aren't you guys going to pay me? The chocolate board translate to F you pay me basically. And the UFC said, no, John Jones, who was asking for Deontay Wilder money. If you guys don't know, Deontay Wilder is a very prominent boxer for uh, uh, he's just coming off uh, two fights with Tyson Fury. They're going to do the, the third fight in October. Deontay Wilder, who doesn't even sniff John Jones's career in terms of accolades. He got about 10 to 15 million in a loss to Tyson Fury. And that fight had about 880,000, 880,000. Uh, 880, Why can't I think of the numbers? 880,000 pay-per-view buys. And John Jones had that against Daniel Cormier in a rematch. And John Jones against Francis Ngannou would no doubt be north of a million. And John Jones is saying, I want Deontay Wilder money. And the UFC says, nah, no, you, you don't want Deontay Wilder money. That's too much money for you, John. Then you're going to buy all these wonderful uh, steroids. You're going to do more coke, smoke more weed drive faster cars and, and crash them. We're looking out for you, John. We don't want to pay you 10 to 15 million. We're going to pay you five. And John Jones, uh, crickets on his side. He has not responded with the UFC. He's does these uh, subliminal, or I guess they're not subliminal because they're catching the UFC and Dana White's attention. Tweets where he says he sits down with UFC people and he it went well. It, it's all mind games. And then he says he's not coming back till 2022. And he he's constantly posting photos of him training. So he's letting the fans know, guys, I'm not the one who is uh, holding up this. Uh, it's the UFC who doesn't want to pay me, which is fair. I understand that. And I respect that. Pay John Jones his money. Pay him his money. He deserves it. But the UFC doesn't want to pay Francis. Maybe Francis is asking for three to seven million, and he's the champion. And John Jones, you could argue who's the A side in this. Maybe John Jones is slightly the A side. Maybe it's a 55 45. John Jones is asking for 10 to 12. UFC says no. And Francis Ngano and John Jones are sitting out. And what pisses me off if we lose this fight, if we lose this, uh, lose this fight, between John Jones and Francis Ngannou and the UFC tries to figure out a strategy with Cyril gone working in their corner to get Francis versus Cyril kind of stir the pot to get Francis to come out of this hiatus to face his former teammate kind of inspire him to stir the pot if they do Cyril gone versus Stipe which Stipe would love he would take less money way less money than John Jones and uh Francis Ngannou to step in there and kind of right the wrong and face Cyril Gan. Cyril Gan's probably not even making 300,000 right now. He's just happy to get fights. And this is the most money he's ever seen. Francis Ngannou is like, dude, I'm doing movies. I'm the champion now. I, I, just, I can kind of hold out, which he couldn't do, which he tried to do 
in his first title fight against Stipe, he tried to pull some power moves and power strings to, um, as you say, create leverage, leverage. And Francis, it didn't work out. One, because he didn't win. And two, because he didn't win. So if you win, you get some leverage. But if you win, you don't get that much leverage. And it shows you that even though Conor McGregor is making maybe 20 to 25 million in his fights with Dustin Poirier, Cowboy Cerrone, Khabib Nurmagomedov, he's still doing it under the UFC banner. Why couldn't McGregor just drift off and do McGregor promotions? Why couldn't he do a one-off with Nate Diaz on some Dublin, Ireland stadium soccer stadium 40,000 people screaming and it's McGregor promotions and it's him versus Nate Diaz the trilogy in a boxing fight because the UFC have him under contract and the fine print say na 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 uh 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 Jurassic Park reference if you guys get it saying you can't do that fight you can't do one off unless you're under our banner as you saw in the Mayweather McGregor fight McGregor still had Dana White on the stage. It was Don White, Dana White, and Dana White was his promoter. And the UFC, I would guess, from what I've heard, the rumor is that he got, the UFC got about 30% of Conor McGregor's earnings. So the on paper and according to Forbes, the earnings were $99 million for Conor McGregor. And... I think the UFC got about 30% of that. So while Conor McGregor is flexing and saying he got uh, $99 million, he definitely did not get $99 million. So the point is the UFC are always working in the background. And uh, it, it sucks because the fighters deserve a lot more. If you guys follow other sports, hockey, who is the low end, football, MLB, NBA, who are the high ends of player revenue, those sports, the players who you can't do a sport without the players, uh, those guys and girls, well, not yet. There is no, no, it's, uh, those are all men leagues. I don't know why I had to double think, but the NFL, there's no women yet. NBA, there's no women yet. MLB, there's no women yet. Maybe, maybe in the future. You, you never know. You never know. But in those sports, the revenue is 40 to 50% for the players. Okay. So if the NFL, who brings in about 10 to $12 billion per year, about 5 to $6 billion are going to Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and the rest of the NFL to play football. And the fighters, uh, you guys did not know this, uh, the UFC and Dana White do not like this, uh, do not like this to be publicized, but the fighters are making about 15 to 20% of the overall UFC's revenue. And there is no public record for how much the UFC is putting out uh, revenue wise but whatever it is the fighters are making about 15 to 20 percent for that and that's bad and look at the the top tier of the fighters it's very top heavy because i think a fighter's first contract is 10 and 10 he does uh maybe a one fight three fight or five fight contract and on that contract it's 10 and 10 which means it's 10,000 to show up 10,000 to win so with God's help, if you're healthy and you win all your fights in one year, if you win, you can make about $60,000 your first year of being a professional athlete in the UFC, which in my mind is the craziest, most pressure-filled sport out of any of the sports that I just listed. You are the sole team. Uh, Tom Brady gets a lot of credit, but he needs receivers to catch the ball. He needs running backs to run with the ball. He needs an offensive line and a defense to at, at least play uh, mediocre to get him the ball back to score the win and touchdowns, get all the accolades and the money. But there's 21 other players that he has to rely on. In fighting, it's only you. It's only Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, which would be uh, a 
a pretty bad fight, I'm sure. But it's only you. And you're making $60,000 in your first year if you win all three. If you win all three. Make weight three times. Win all three fights. There is a chance that you get a performance bonus if you are entertaining and put it all on the line. There is a chance of that. But if you don't, if you just go out there, you seal the victory three times, and you stay healthy, $60,000. That's before taxes. That's before paying your coaches your gym fees, paying your nutritionist. A lot of the time, fighters in their first two, three, maybe five years, they're doing other endeavors and side projects. And everybody's like, I remember this guy at, at the station. He goes, well, you know, they're only fighting for 15 minutes uh, at three times a year. That's 45 minutes. How's that so crazy? You know, 45 minutes, you're making 60,000. I'm like, hey, idiot, you have to train for the fight. Do you think Tom Brady just uh, – works 16 to 20 times a year no he's literally as soon as the season ends, maybe he takes a two-week vacation but he's studying film he's getting back in shape he's incorporating new things uh physically uh mentally uh, it, always paying his nutritionist to stay on top of it and the same thing for a fighter a fighter has to train two three times a day in fight camp that's eight to 12 weeks before the fight and they're training normally months out, casually, maybe, slowly, maybe, taking it easy, maybe, but they're still training. And people who think, oh, it's just 15 minutes, right? It, no, it's not Geico. They're training all year long. Out of 12 months, I'd say they're probably not doing anything for two months at most. At most, maybe a week here, two weeks there at most to recover. A day here, I would say maybe a month at most. And that's pretty wild. Look at Conor McGregor's early plight in the UFC, the fights against Dennis Seaver, against Chad Mendez, fights against uh, Marcus Brimage, Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway. He's fighting three times a year, and he wasn't making that much. But what he was doing, what made him great was he was talking on the mic. He was knocking out people, getting performance bonuses. So you got to respect it because he took advantage of the system, which the UFC looks for. They, they see if they pay you more, if they pay you your show money and your win money in one check, that you're not going to fight as hard. Hmm. So if you're telling me you locked me in a cage, I've trained for about three months for this fight. I'm in the best shape of my life. I can change my family's life. And not to say, I don't want to get hurt. And a way to not get hurt is to perform well. So you're telling me you need to give me more incentive to go out there. This person across the cage is trying to rip my head off and I need more incentive. No, no. The UFC should pay one check and then do a finish bonus, do a submission bonus, do a knockout bonus. I think that'd be lovely if they paid them the, the 20 K up front. And then they told them, you get a finish bonus. We will give you a finish bonus. There's no four bonuses among the 13 or 10 to 13 fights on the card. And maybe 30% of the fighters get that bonus. No, no. If you finish your opponent, you get a bonus. I think that would be a fantastic pay system for the UFC and their fighters. My point is the system is upside down. It's incentivized. Conor McGregor is the person who took most advantage of it he was working in the old system where he was incentivized to knock out somebody get his win bonus get 50k on 50k on 50k so in his first couple of years he probably was racking up 500,000 where an equivalent fighter uh, climbing up the ranks who was only getting decisions who was not an quote-unquote entertaining fighter who was probably boring like maybe a Khabib Nurmagomedov early on in his fights with the UFC was making probably a hundred thousand over the stretch where Conor McGregor Gregor is making 500,000. And then on top of that, the talk and the talk and walk in the walk, but the UFC should not incentivize trash talk. They should not starve these fighters and incentivize. I understand it's a system and it's working for them, but you are on ESPN you sold for $4 billion in 2016. That's five years ago. 
you have this wonderful new apparel deal. You have a, a new crypto deal like the soccer uniforms. It's written all over the chest. Pay these guys a little more, these guys and girls a little more, please. Surreal Gon should have made a million dollars to finish Derek Lewis. I don't even think he got a, a performance bonus or a knockout bonus for that performance. And a lot of pressure, though he was calm and cool in the fight, he did not get a... Uh, performance bonus my point is let's bring it back i think we're past the conor mcgregor era. i think we're past the conor mcgregor era joey anya party rentals whoever's listening and uh hop over to the youtube page i will end this broadcast uh with a commercial for long island's finest party rentals i've been doing it on the last broadcast uh they are the one-stop shop for party rentals if you guys need tents Dance floors, chairs, tables, sidewalls, they're well-kept. They're always clean. The company is run efficiently. If you guys need tents, slushy machines, throw a little alcohol in there. If you guys need popcorn, if you guys need uh, cotton candy machines, if you guys need uh, basically everything to make your, uh, not Memorial Day, what holiday is coming up in a couple of weeks? If you need your Labor Day to be uh, better and memorable and get your gram fam and your hashtags going and everybody to be like, man, that guy Joe knows how to throw a party. Hit them up, 314-2863. Again, if you guys want professional service this guy's been in business for 15 years with tents he knows the ins and out of everything tent wise and party wise this guy lives and breathes the party life uh he won't party with you but he'll he knows how to make your party better again hit them up long island finest party rentals 631-314-2863 if you guys have been on the youtube or the twitter stream i have uh played their commercials a couple of times. They're a great service and shout outs to them. I've done business with them. I've worked with them uh, for years now and they are the, uh, the one-stop shop, as I said, for parties. The UFC should want a party. They should want a party with their fighters. After the fighters make them a ton of money, they should not selfishly party with a bunch of rich people. Hey, did you see how much money we made off Surreal Gun and Derek Lewis? Hey, did you see how much money we're going to make with John Jones? And this is supposed to be a champagne glass. Uh, see how much money we made? Here, I'll get my, uh, I'll get my champagne glass right here. It's uh, champagne. It's not a light bulb. Hey, did you... Uh, did you see John Jones? He's tweeting us. He's not going to fight. <laughs> John Jones thinks he can't fight. He thinks he's not going to fight under the UFC banner. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, Francis and Connor doesn't want to fight either. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, well, screw them. We'll, uh, we'll make a, uh, we'll, we'll make a title. Yeah. Get the balls as hot guy. We'll put the fight in Houston and get that French guy. Right. Get that French guy that wants to fight. And Francis's former teammate, get the French guy. We'll put him in the fight. We'll stir it. Screw John. Screw Francis. This wine sucks anyway. That's what the UFC has been doing behind the scenes. They need to pay their fighters. They need to respect their fighters. And can we get over the whole hoopla thing? It should be martial arts. Um, some people on the stream that I've watched fights with, we were going to bars, we we're watching Vitor Belfort, we we're watching uh, Leota Machida, Rashad Evans, guys who are true martial artists who weren't the greatest salesmen. They, they sold the fights through their, their, their fisticuffs. And I think we need to get back to that. I believe the Conor McGregor era is the height of the Conor McGregor era. And I, I like Connor. He actually inspired me to uh, take uh, a cage fight. His words and his uh, inspiration inspired me. But now uh, he is a businessman and entrepreneur man first. He is not the pure martial artist, which got me into that cage that night. And Connor McGregor is, he needs to get back to his roots if he wants to achieve any type of success. He needs to be a pure martial artist and, uh, uh, somebody on the feed says Connor will be back. All right, then uh, 
walk it. Don't talk it. The guy's in a wheelchair. He, he doesn't even believe he lost. He can't even take a loss. Meanwhile, against Nate Diaz, he, he tipped his hat to Nate Diaz. He shook his hand. He hugged him out at UFC 196. What did Conor McGregor do? He turned it around beautifully. UFC 202 a couple of months ago. He got the victory against Nate Diaz, a bigger fighter, then went on to Madison Square Garden to fight Eddie Alvarez. Conor. I'm tired of the talking. I need more of the walking. And literally, he can't walk right now. He literally can't walk right now. He can only talk, and it's sad. We need him to disappear. It's going to be at least, at least, if he's focused to be 12 months before he's back in action at 100% focused. I hope he takes this time to kind of reflect, digest what's happened, and kind of reset himself. Uh I think there's still stuff left in the basement for Connor. What does that mean? Are we talking about his junk? Yeah, I'm sure some uh, lovely woman. I hope it's his girlfriend. Hopefully soon his wife. Uh, she can jump on that the stuff that's in his basement and uh, treat him well. Because I'm sure he is stressed. He's going through a lot right now. He's uh, he he's he physically can't train that much. He's doing pull ups and he's uh doing every arm workout under the sun that he can but i'm sure not being on the mats not feeling the mat not being able to roll around to kick a heavy bag is probably killing him inside not that much though i don't feel that bad because he is the richest forbes athlete but we need to move past connor's basement and all the stuff that connor has uh done for the sport um recently I respect for what he's done previously in the past years to get the sport, the $4 billion uh, sale, to get the sport to New York City, MSG. I'll always respect Connor for that and for getting the sport on ESPN. It's not Spike TV. It's not your local cousin's uh, network. It's, not, it's definitely uh, not as good as the Octagon. But ESPN, he brought the sport. He helped bring the sport to ESPN, and I will always respect Connor for that. But now that the sport can be heard from the voices of Stephen A. Smith and it's on first take and it's on sports center. And there's a ton of coverage for it on ESPN plus shout outs to Chell Sonnen and uh, uh, Brett Akimoto and Max Kellerman, uh, Michael Eaves of sports center. Now that the sport has elevated to ESPN, ESPN is the end all be all when it comes to sports in the business, in the media business, it's called, the the mothership if you make it to the mothership you made it and conor mcgregor needs to get to uh needs to reset but the ufc needs to and espn needs to broadcast and showcase these fighters in a much better light show those true martial artists again i've said this just screaming over and over and over the max holloways of the world the Francis Ngannos of the world, the Kamaru Usmans of the world, the Dustin Poirier's of the world, Alexander Volkanovsky. What, what do all those fighters have in common? They're boring as they're extremely boring, extremely boring when it comes to prize fighting. It's hard to market them or is it, or is the UFC and ESPN doing a bad job at marketing them? Maybe they need to get somebody who can kind of open them up, uh, help them express themselves and show their true light, which is to just be laid back, cool guys, but to put everything they got into their families, into themselves, into their training. And they need to show that, yeah, they may lack a little in terms of mic skills and not the Chell Sonnens, the Conor McGregor's, the Tito Ortiz of the world, and not the Ike Feldman's of the world, but that's ESPN's job. Show Max Holloway on the beach some doing some cool kung fu John Wick type of martial arts training. Show that months in advance. Don't show it the week of the fight. I want to see all that cool kung fu crap like Leota Machida and Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre who can't speak a lick of good English. That's what got me into the sport. The actual martial arts. Not the talking. I understand Chelsea and Tito Ortiz, Ken Shamrock, Conor McGregor. They're fun. It's cool. It's the hot date. It's the girl who's yeah at the bar who's wild and crazy, who you, will, uh, you won't bring home the mama, 
but you'll, you'll bring home uh, in the basement entrance. But my, my point is the UFC needs to marry. ESPN needs to marry these fighters. They need to fall in love with what actually got the fighters to the stage, to the championship fights. And in my opinion, that's true martial artists, uh, true martial arts, mixed martial arts. Conor McGregor, go watch the Notorious um, documentary on Netflix. While he is a, um, while he is a, still a wild guy as a youngin, and it's always been in there. His heart was gold back then. It's turned a little dark, and maybe money has changed him a little. Uh, Mike Tyson always talks about forty million dollars. It's very hard to be humble and stay within yourself. So I go back and watch the documentary. You will see a more humble Conor McGregor, and I respect it. And it needs to be that 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 samurai stuff, that ninja stuff, that Bushudo Shogun warrior stuff about. A fighter just, I don't know, just being a, a samurai. There's no other way to put it. A samurai who is sole job is to win and to devastate and to destroy. That needs to be showcased and marketed a lot better. <clears throat> and as I've mentioned in the past, I've going out for the UFC social media job. Uh, my application is still out there. If I do get the lovely privilege to be the UFC social media guy, I will do my best to market the true face of each individual fighter. And I think the truth is always better than a lie. It's true. Uh, somebody once told me, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. And I think that's false. I think the truth, one, is easier to remember. It's hard to remember a lot. Yo, dude, yeah, I, I hooked up with that girl. You say it, and then four years later, yo, dude, remember when you hooked up with that girl? Yeah, no, what? Truth. Truth. Preach the truth. It's always good to preach the truth. And the prize fighting aspect of MMA and the UFC is a little farce. It's a little fake. It's a little projected and pushed. It's not true. It's not who the person truly is. That's why I love long form media. Joe Rogan's especially Michael Bisbing, believe you me, Ara Hawani. Uh, uh, it's you get to see less of the show and more of the, the fighter. And I think that is going to be the, common denominator for fighting through in and throughout what won't be is the the fakeness and for example i like fake comedy shows i, I do written scripted comedy shows rested development something that everybody knows what's going on and that's cool that's what we sign up for but it's not comedy it's fighting remember that it's fun to hear the Brendan Child fight companions, the Calabasas fight companions. That's fun. That is fun. It's not fun is the forced personality of a fighter that's not there, and then they go out and get knocked out in the third round. So shout-outs to Cyril Ghosn. Shout-outs to the UFC and ESPN for seeing this broadcast and wanting to market their fighters better. I will always try to market myself better and be better. But until next show, didn't even touch any of the, of the other fights, but I will. Your boy is out. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.